What's next for crude oil, stock market, currency markets? How do you handle trading this market and this kind of volatility? Well, today I have two of my favorites to talk about that. Tracy Shuchart, also known as Shy Girl, and Blake Morrow, otherwise known as the Pip Czar. This podcast is sponsored by TradeStation and FTSE Russell. The Russell 2000 is a key benchmark for small cap U.S. stocks. To learn more, go to FTSERussell.com. Also, I want to let you guys all know TradeStation is running a promo just for our audience. New users get half off brokerage fees for the lifetime of their account using the promo code F-U-T-R-A-F-Z-T as long as they open an account by April 30th. To learn more, go to TradeStation.com slash Anthony. We got Pipstar and Shy Girl in the house. What's up, guys? Hey, Anthony. How's it going? I'm doing great. How are you guys? It's good. It's good. It's good to see you. The markets yeah. are crazy. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get right into it today. I think the first thing I want to talk about is really handling this volatility because, you know, Blake, you and I were talking a little bit before we went on today, before even Shy came in. And I tell you, this year for me has been really a roller coaster. And I try to keep it away from being a roller coaster, but I had a really good start to the year, gave a bunch back, had a really good start to March. Then everything I touched at the end of March was just like, you know, a, a straight loser. Just feel like I'm just getting, you know, clipped everywhere I turn. It's amazing how hot you can go to how cold you can get. So I've just been kind of you know, lately just, you know, trying to just get myself back, calm things down, trade a little bit smaller. But how, how do you think that traders should approach trading this type of volatility? Well, that's first of all, it's a great question. And, and, and you know, as a currency trader, predominantly, I, I don't want to say I don't fish around in other products because I do in, in other markets, but really focused on currencies the last five years have been, it's been brutal. Euro volatility has been, you know, around five, hovering around five, nothing's been moving. And then all of a sudden, you know, we have an explosion of volatility over the last, you know, over the last few months. And, and really it's interest rate expectations have been moving globally with central banks. And that's created that that volatility that as currency traders, we've been just, we've just been thriving for. So now that we've realized that we're in this, you know, high volatility environment, the key for me has been um, being able just to, to stay in a trend is just reducing position sizes dramatically and then widening stops a, a lot. So this way I'm not worried about you know, a severe swings in the market. And, and uh, we've seen so much of that this year um, that it's great. But the macro backdrop continues to shift. And, and obviously what's happening with Ukraine and, and the invasion of Ukraine by Russia has thrown a monkey wrench in a lot of different things, whether you're talking about commodities or currencies and interest rate expectations and what the ECB is going to do versus the Fed, the divergences between central banks. I'm just naming those two. And then this 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 huge, huge rally in the commodity space, which I'm sure, sure Tracy's going to kind of has been thriving on and also is going to talk about. But this is all just really, really created a massive amounts of, of volatility. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll echo what you're saying as far as streaking, you know, if you will. And it's not the Will Smith. No, Will Smith. I was trying to think. Uh, streaking of old school. What's the uh, what's his name? Will Ferrell. But you got Will, Will Smith. On the I'm not talking about that streaking. <laughs> I'm not talking about streaking as far as trading goes. You know, I, I, I realize when I'm hot, uh, which, you know, I, I have those periods of, uh, you know, feeling on top of the world and, and the market can't beat me. That's the, that's the exact precise time that I've, I've queued in to myself in doing this for so long. And you guys have probably done this as well. 
that I actually starting to pare back my position sizes even 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 smaller because I know I'm about ready to get smoked because the market knows exactly <laughs> when it needs to teach me a lesson. So well, that's, that's pretty much what happened to me. I got aggressive in crude oil. It was long crude oil. Had a great runner on, and I pressed it. And, you know, I had, it was funny, I had an area at like 116. I'll never, I, I mean, it's still, I think about it. I'm like, why did you not take any off there? It broke a little bit. I added next thing you know, I'm getting stopped out across everything in a bigger position. And I got a little greedy there for a little bit, but it happens, you know, I mean, Shai, what about you? How do you handle trading this type of volatility? Well, I, I mean, I definitely, uh, definitely smaller position size. Right. And if, you know, if I'm looking at something like the futures markets, you know, make use of like the micro contracts, if any, because you can put a bunch on, you can scale in and out really easily. And, um, you know, you can kind of widen your stops out a little bit. Um, so I think that's a, that's a good way. Otherwise, you know, if you were, you know, you know, you could also, you know, go, you know, with options, obviously, you know, just do, you know, like a call spread or, or a put spread. So at least you have your risk defined, right? So, you know, you know, if you're going to lose, you're going to lose X amount of dollars. So that's another way to approach it. Or if you, um, you know, are looking at a long-term trend, right? But the market's really volatile now, then you can look at, you know, like way out um, uh, options, right? So, you know, I have like some 2023 20, crude options on right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that the one thing I look at on the future side is two things you touched on options and micros. And the other thing I would add is just rotating in and out of positions. I mean, I think Blake, you touched on it as well. It's like, you know, when things are going really good, you know, and my mindset is always to press. I'm just a presser, you know, and things, if I'm making money, I just get really aggressive. That's just how I've made money, you know, and then it, it can really, it could really backfire on you quickly if you're not quick to pull the plug. And it's like, and I, I talked about this a little bit on Twitter, it's just about being in a rhythm. You know, when I was in a rhythm, you know, getting in small, rotating in and out of positions, continuing just to take profits in areas that I like, you know, really just being conscious of it. The one time I actually said this thing is going to keep running and I press was the one time I had the biggest loser of the year. It's just incredible how that works, right? But, you know, it's about constantly reminding yourself to just, I think, just stay in that rhythm of being small and taking on the positions that you can't control and, and not being scared to take profits like you said, Blake, kind of when things are going really well, it may not be the only reason, but when you look around and say, look at this thing came back so fast, maybe I want to trim something here. You, you know, um, this this week is a pretty good example of, uh, of, of things turning on me um, as, as a whole. So uh, I, as currency traders, I, I tend to trade a lot of currency crosses. So I, I, I might buy a little, let's say, euro against the sterling. And then I might say, well, you know, the euro against the Aussie looks pretty good. And, you know, my risk risk reward here in the euro Kiwi is pretty good. Th that was an example of like three trades that I was long earlier this week. And um, the euro Aussie broke, after, you know, following the RBA. I, I thought the RBA was going to be hawkish. Um, it was going to be more of a hawkish meeting and, and it happened that way. Unfortunately, what it did is it, it it really turned one of those pairs lower. The problem is, is when you press, like for you, you might you might you might press hard on one position. I press in multiple positions, maybe across the board. You could call it diversification, but you know the fact of the matter is it's all euro related. So if one euro pair starts to break, it it might take the other pairs with me. And I had to I had to basically just you know take my losses across the board in those pairs, knowing that one of them broke. 
uh, and knowing that the correlations might take hold, which they did. And, uh, you know, and sometimes you just gotta, you gotta be able to, you know, swallow it and, and take your medicine. And I, I've, I've become better at that. It's funny, you know, after trading 20 some odd years, you know, going on 25 years now, you still, you, you're always learning as a trader. You're always polishing uh, your skills. And, and you, usually when you forget, you know, things, um, maybe lessons you've learned in the past, the market's pretty quick to, uh, to, to, to re-educate you in those, uh, in those instances, which wouldn't you guys agree? Oh yes. God. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I said the other day I had to take a few days off just because I was just like, I was looking at it just like, what are you doing? You know, I mean, so that's just the happened. best thing to do though, is to walk away when you're just, when everything just gets like, it's just one after the other, after the other, it's good to just like step away for a few days and like clear your head. Yeah. I mean, I went and gambled and played golf lost on both of those too. So I kind of have a losing streak going on right now. So it's not, not been the most fun for me, but um, you know, I, I want to go with you shy and we're going to start to get a little bit more technical here and just talk about some of these markets. And you know, Blake said it, he's like, the macro shifts are unbelievable. I mean, this is why I follow people like you. First off, congratulations on the new gig. Thank um, you. We'll let you talk about that for sure. But what are the things that we should be really focusing on right now, shy? Because I think, you know, for someone like me, who's not, I'm not a macro trader, but I follow people like you to understand the macro environment, but it just does, it can get overwhelming. I get totally, you know, just thrown off because I'm like, is it Ukraine? Is it this? Is it that? Next thing you know, I'm like, I don't even care what's happening. I'm just following the markets, but I do want to know what I think is the main macro theme because I think it does help us even as technical traders. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, you know, right now everybody's looking at the Fed, right? That's first and foremost, because um, they keep, you know, everybody, every analyst at every bank is trying to outdo each other on how many rate hikes they think that the Fed is going to do right now. Um, but, you know, you know, they pretty much promised 50 basis points. I mean, if they don't do base, 50 basis points this next meeting, I think, you know, they'll will lose any shred of credibility that they have left. But so right now, obviously, that's going to weigh on, you know, particularly, um, say, like tech stocks. Um, so that's definitely something to look at. If you're looking at the commodity space, obviously, you're looking at Ukraine, Russia, because um, it's there's they're so heavily in uh, metals, grains and obviously oil and gas. And so that's going to affect the commodity markets. And it's very hard right now because the market's moving on every headline, like just getting jacked back and forth. Right. Um, so, you, you know, what I tend to do is, you know, I, I have my long-term themes, which you already know are energy, agriculture, uh, and metals and have been for the last a couple of years. So, you know, really what, I, you know, as far as Ukraine and everything is concerned, you know, I figured that a lot of that jerkiness will start to subside eventually, right? Um, you know, I know when the market kicks up really quickly on um, initial headlines, you know, I always usually figure the market's going to pull back some to reasonable. Um, so really, that's I mean, those are the two main things you need to be looking at right now, really, as far as macro is concerned. And also, um, you know, focus on, you know, well, for me in the energy markets, um, focus you know, on Asia right now in particular. Blake, what do you think about the macro shifts right now? What are the main things that you're focusing on? 
Well, uh, you know, uh, Tracy actually hit on them because the commodity currencies uh, in, in the FX market are just absolutely, they've gone crazy and they've really, um, you know, one of, like one of the big things that I focus on, obviously, as a predominant currency trader is, is looking at the dollar index as a whole, but it's made up of a lot of little bits and pieces and a lot of different currencies. And um, the, the outperformance of the commodity currencies in this environment, even when there's you know, a little bit of risk aversion, maybe some profit taking in some of the bigger indices has been something that I as a currency trader for the last, you know, since I started, I made the shift from trading equities to currencies in 2001. So really over the last 20 years, you really haven't seen these commodity currencies act the way that they're acting right now. And they are really bucking the trend. So it's like equity markets go down. Usually those get hit. Um, but because there's such a demand for, for, these commodity current or commodities in general, the commodity currencies are really resilient as well. So I have to I have to say that the, the big macro theme in the currency market is a um, you know the the there's a couple of things actually. It's one of them is the 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 Fed and how uh, people are you know analysts have such high expectations, but the dollar really hasn't been as responsive as you would have thought. So therefore, I think that there's room for other central banks, whether you're talking about the ECB, the RBA, uh, maybe even the Bank of England, um, expectations are going to play catch up a little bit, which is going to uh, weaken the dollar over time and probably throughout the second half of 2022. And also, you're going to continue to see outperformance of the of currencies like the Aussie dollar, the Kiwi dollar, the Canadian dollar, maybe even to a certain extent. Um, and some emerging market currencies, which have acted pretty well, like the Mexican peso or the, uh, the, the South African rand would be another good example. But the, the thing is, I, and, I, and I, I try to tell this story because um, I think it's important because when you talk about technicals and macro and how important macro is to have it as a backdrop behind what you're doing technically to find those entries. I got asked at the end of last year. What well, my favorite trade of 2022 was going to be. I got asked by one of our broker partners that uh, wanted a you know quick video uh, to, to promote, and I said you know it was the Aussie dollar. I'd like to buy the Aussie at 70 cents, and you know, and in my mind I was thinking, well, I think the Aussie is actually going to go from 70 cents to parity at some point over the next few years. I didn't quite know how that would happen. I just think technically it looks like the setup. Now dealing with whoa, the 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 narrative has shifted. You know, because of what's happening in Russia, you know, and and and, and this this commodity uh, desire from the markets, I can actually see that happening now from a macro standpoint um, over the next couple of years too. So it's it's interesting how you talk about you know why the macro, or you you, you made a point to say why the macro backdrop is so important to what we do as traders because it is. Yeah, because for me, I'm, I'm definitely more technical based, but over the years, yeah. I've become more and more, I mean, over many years now, it's funny, I, I would say or 10 years, I've had to start keeping my eye on it, my ear open to it, because these moves, I know a lot of people will say, just watch the price action, it'll tell you everything you need to know. But if there's something behind the price action that's driving it, that could yeah. make that move bigger, uh, coinciding with your technicals, you have to know this. And I find, you know, in this environment, when it changes so much, 
that it, it, it really could be, it, it's very difficult. I mean, look at the rally. You talked about, Shai, we'll go back to you, how you think with rates going up, it could hurt you know, tech stocks. And you look at how the move, uh, what the move has happened uh, recently in, in NASDAQ, you had a huge rally off the low, right? Uh, and then you know, we've had a decent break. And you could talk some technicals, how we failed at the 200-day moving average and such. But it's like this Fed meeting now is, is going to be so important as to what the NASDAQ does. If you don't watch what the Fed is doing or keep up with this stuff, I mean, the NASDAQ, the, the price action is really almost telling it two stories, a rally off the low, a fail of the 200-day moving average. Okay, you know, on, on a bigger picture basis, what's next? And and so that's what's going to go to you, Shai, and say, how are you positioned? I mean, if, if the Fed is the main focus right now, where do you see I, the best way to position? I'm hiding out in energy equities right now. So energy equities, and that's been a while <laughs> for you. I'm in now. energy equities and um, some miners right now, and that's kind of where I'm basically hiding out gold um, miners right? i have I, I do have a couple of gold miners um i have uranium believe it or not um how are you trading real quick i want to stay yeah. on uranium before you get the other ones how are you trading that how i'm in uroy u-r-o-y right now I'm, i've been in it for i've been in it for a couple months it hasn't really done much to be honest with you but um I, you know, to me, it was really good risk reward. It's like what trading at 395 right now. I mean, I didn't want to put a huge position on. I didn't want to put, put a lot of risk into it just because uranium has been really difficult to trade over, you know, forever. <laughs> um, so, you know, I figured with this Russia thing, um, you know, it was kind of nice risk, ri nice risk reward for me, right, to start in a kind of like a cheaper stock and with not a huge position on. So I want to stick with why you think uranium is uh, a play with this, with what's going on in Russia, because I read about this too. I actually was searching for ways to trade uranium and I, had, I really couldn't find a way to do it. I ended up going online and finding SRUF, S-R-U-U-F. Uh, um, I'll pull up that chart in a second here, but it's like, I was struggling to find ways to even participate in it because it says that there, you know, that there's like a futures market on it. I even looked at it on on CME, but there's not really. It's it's not something that you I, I've seen traded. You know, just like the right. actual um, market. So I, I had to go to the ETFs for me. I felt was the only way. But explain to everybody why that's a play. Well, well, first of all, you, Russia provides a lot of enriched uranium to the world, right? In fact, the U.S. buys a lot. So if it comes to the point that the world goes ahead and sanctions that, that would be very positive for uranium outside of Russia, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I pulled up a chart of this and I don't know, are you familiar with this ETF, Shai? This Sprott, a, a lot of people are in that one, yeah. Yeah, and so, so basically I heard the same thing you did. I looked at it and said, this is an actual supply and demand thing, which we've talked about a lot lately with oil. You know, it actually is one. Um, and so this is just something that I've been looking at, um, if you guys are interested in what, what that is. And um, and the one that you were in, actually, I'll type that in right now is, what is the symbol? U-R-O-Y. U-R-O-Y. What have you thought about this uh, uranium stuff, Blake? I know that you focus a lot on the currency stuff, but have you even looked at it at all? I haven't. It's not something that I'm, I even, it's even in my wheelhouse. And I, and I don't <laughs> pretend to like try to, if, if I don't understand the move completely in my own head anyway, 
uh, what I think is perceived as understanding. I, I, I tend to shy away from it. So. Yeah. The only reason I even did this play is because once again, it doesn't move a ton. And I looked at it and I said to myself, you know what? I like the chart pattern. And it kind of goes back to where I said, even though I'm more of a technical trader, um, when I have, anytime I see a macro theme that plays, that is playing out with technical supporting it, I look at it. I mean, it's not for my, like you said, I don't, I try not to get away from what I do too much either, but this was something that um, I've taken a look at. And um, Shai, one other thing I want to talk about before we get back to Blake and see what he's trading is talk to us just about oil because look at, you know, I've been bullish this as much as anybody. I have been trading this a lot. And, and like I said, I talked about even how I got clipped this year. This, this, this pattern for me now is just so difficult. I feel like <laughs> as bullish as I am it, uh, trading the price action in it is just so difficult. It's very um, difficult right now. It's very volatile right now, right? Because you have a million headlines going on, right? We just dropped today because the IEA announced that um, between the other IEA countries, they're going to release another 80 million barrels in SPR and we dropped immediately. Um, so, you know, any right now, I, right now it's subject to literally any headline is going to make this move right but you know what makes me you know still bullish about it is you know it gets under a hundred dollars and it gets bought right back up yeah and we're it's below been it right that now. way right yeah so is that kind of the mark that i was going to ask you what, what are you looking at as an area as a key area so uh, you know obviously the, you know the 200 day but um we do have down at hold on one so second. let's see the 200 day. So we have a gap that still needs to be filled that I, you know, I always at least keep in mind. Right. And I pulled up the wrong chart. Yeah. I have the continuation chart so up here on trading. View. All right. So there's a gap at like 93.15 on the front one. Um, so it is, you know, it's very possible that, that we could do that. And so, you know, I, I mean, possible we could, you know, dip into that 200 day, right. Get that 93 and then bounce, bounce back up. But right now, you know, overall, you know, it's what I'm watching right now is, you know, China has 151 million people on lockdown right now, right? As soon as they start opening up again, then all of that demand comes rushing back. So that's also weighing on uh, oil as well. I mean, China's a huge consumer, right? So, um, you know, I figure they'll start opening up again in the spring, just in time for, uh, you know, high demand season. In, in the West, right, summer season. Um, in addition, we're still in a structural deficit, regardless of what, how, even if Russia was still pro producing as much as they were in uh, January. Do, do you mind if I ask a question here? No, go ahead, man. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, you know, one of the things I, you know, just talking to a lot of different traders and a lot of different, uh, you know, analysts, and you realize, or at least I realize, excuse me, that um, that the market is very, very position long. Crude. Now, I, I don't disagree with the thesis of being long. I actually don't at all. Uh, I'd love to be long uh, crude, and I actually would be a buyer of crude. Uh, I'm actually looking for a little bit deeper of a correction into the 80s. And it won't be long lasting. And matter of fact, if, if we reach a place like the, like the mid 80s, maybe even the lower 80s, 
I think if you blink, you might miss it. It would be a, a day a day trip maybe down into that area. Uh, but I, I actually think that the market is really positioned poorly at this point. Everybody's bullish. There's all the reasons in the world to be bullish. And I'm not saying that I would be short either. What, I, what I'm looking to do personally is I've got a bunch of uh, technical like alarm set up that if we dip below 90, I am going to start looking to be long crude. Um, and it's purely on a let, let some of the weak hands get shaken out to get on the long side. And I'm actually looking at 86 bucks uh, on the continuous. So that, that's something that I, I don't know if we're going to see it. But a lot of times for me, I like to plan, you know, plan my trade and work my plan because I, I, I feel a little like at this stage in the game, I'm a little late to the ball game, just trying to get long crude at these levels, I feel. Um, but it doesn't mean that I want to be short either, because a lot of people automatically think, oh, well, if you're not if you're not bullish, you're bearish. No, but that's not true. Right. I'm bullish. I just don't want to be long at these levels. Right. Well so so what, anyway, yeah, what what happened is is though they raised margins so much that threw a lot of the specs out of this market right now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That when that headline came out, I was actually long at that moment, and I remember watching that close, and it had like a little break, and then it rallied back. I'm like, well, maybe that was it. It wasn't, but <laughs> you know, but you're right. That is definitely definitely a factor in this, and you know, Blake, I've been kind of thinking that same way too with crude oil because. Like I said, I, I did really well in it. I caught a huge part of it. And then I just gave back like a huge part of what I had made because I talked about that. But now I'm looking at it when I reassess and I look at this market, I agree exactly what you said. I think it's just positioned so wrongly that I'm almost looking at this like the way I look at like trading Bitcoin because I look at it as it's so volatile, like a crypto to where I want to buy the crashes now because this yeah. is something to where... Uh, and the crash may not be big. I may be, it may not be a crash, but I look for the days where it's down, you know, a good percentage. And you look at it and you say, does it make sense? Can I manage risk here? Because trying to buy this on an up day is so tough, you know, and I've just gotten chopped up so many times where I'm like, you cannot buy, at least for me, strength, even though this is one of those markets where I really want to be long it. I find that you have to you really have to be disciplined enough to say, if I miss it, that's okay. I cannot buy into this just because I know the overall theme is bullish. Well, aren't we just like, we're literally one headline from a, from a 5% rally and a 5% decline. Exactly. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah that's, that's, makes... that's, that's the risk, but you make a great point um, because this is something that I, I, I will, when we look at some currencies, uh, whenever we decide to do that. I know as a trader, I can't control, especially in, you know, in this crazy environment we're in, you can't control the headlines that come out. You can't control what Putin's thinking. You can't, all we can do is assess risk. And now, now more than ever, it, and I've talked to a lot of traders about this because I've watched traders get demolished, get rolled over because they sit in positions for a long, long period of time. They don't realize that, well, the market's turned on them, but they think, well, it's going to bounce back because it's overbought or oversold. But we, you know, we can be more overbought and more oversold and then some multiple times over in this environment because of the headline risk. So when you're as a trader, all we get to do is really define the risk, put in our stops, position correctly. And if we get caught on the wrong side, take, take your medicine and move along. And I think a lot of traders really struggle with the idea of like, I'm right, market's wrong, it'll bounce back, and we all know what the outcome is after that, right? Yeah, 
Oh, well, I mean, for sure. I, I, I guess I'll ask the two of you guys. I mean, we'll, we'll get into, we'll talk a little bit about equities and then um, we'll get to you in a, in a moment here and talk about some charts in there. But on the equity side of the mar uh, markets, I've also was looking at crude oil to see how much of an impact that's going to have, you know, on equities. Right. And I don't know how much that story is even playing out. I mean, what do you think about that, Shai? Uh, you know, I it's lost its correlation like yep. a while ago, right? It used to be very, very correlated, um, you know, particularly a couple of years ago. But really, I mean, that correlation is out of the market, at least right now. Is it just it's just because of the Fed, right? I mean, the, the market gets fixated on one thing and that's yeah, where it goes. Exactly. Exactly. And because, you know, uh, because commodities are so bullish right now, because there's actual supply demand problem, whereas, you know, looking at the equity markets, they're more worried about the Fed right now. And so the correlations just aren't there. And, you know, um, the Fed can't the Fed can raise rates all at once. It cannot fix actual supply demand problems. Right. And so that they're going to have a very difficult time still trying to bring down inflation in, say, energy and food. Blake, do you trade uh, equities at all? I mean, I do. Well, I usually trade indexes. So I'll, I'll like, like yeah. I was just short the S&P this week, earlier this week. And, I, I, and it's, this is a funny conversation that you, 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 the two of you can totally identify with. And I was telling, you know, some of the traders that I trade with, it's like, I book profits just to make myself feel better after taking some losses in, no, it's oh, yeah. some, yeah. in, in some currency trades, I booked a short. And then obviously I, today I, I'm like, well, I wish I was still short, but at that moment it was the right trade for my psyche. Right. Yep. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta fix, cause you can't, you can't trade when your psyche screwed up. It just did. You, you, you become blinded. Right. So, uh, yeah. So to answer your question is, do I trade individual uh, equities? If there's a great idea and I've done some research, but I tend to just trade the indexes when opportunities arise, like being short the S&P near the 4,600 level this week. So, Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, mostly that's what I trade as well. Uh, I actually think we'll probably talk a little bit about Twitter here in just a second, but I just want to get both your take overall in, in equities right now. I mean, you've already said, Trace, that you think that tech is going to struggle because of the Fed. Um, is that your stance that you think that for now, right now, the, the bears have I mean, the hand again? I mean, just as a whole, I mean, not obviously there'll be some individual stocks that will perform well, but I think as a whole, that's really going to weigh on that sector. And, and the question I have for you is, is that because it's already one of those things that's already known where like we already know that that's coming. Right, and we have earnings coming up, and I'm be curious to see how they are. Um, is, is that something the market like? What would make the market start to look past rates? Do you think earnings are going to have any impact? I, I think it will be depend on how much they actually raise rates, and then I also want to see, you know, um, are we going to, you know, we are actually starting to see growth slowing, right, in the United States. So I want to see how much that's impacted as we move beyond Q1. Yeah. Blake, what are you, what are your thoughts just on, I know we're going to talk about the major indices. I think that's just for me, what I think most of us are focused on anyway. How long have we been partying since it's like, it's 1999, like literally <laughs> 12 or 13 years now, right? I mean, totally. we've been in a massive liquidity driven market for 12, 13 years. 
and, and so many market participants haven't seen anything but that. And, and so I think as the Fed redo, you know, you know, pulls away the punch bowl and every other central bank as well, and they reduce liquidity globally, it's going to weigh on the markets. It's going to be a total headwind moving forward. I, you know, I think you, you look for opportunities to sell rallies and, you know, you have good news. Get, let's, let's hope, Let, let's hope and pray we get some good news out of, uh, out of Ukraine and maybe there's a ceasefire de-escalation. I'm going to be the first person to sell that rally. I mean, you, the, the, the wake of damage that has been left behind with commodity prices and inflation and possibly stagflation that we're dealing with currently that, you know, even though the data is not out for us to make that determination, we're probably in a stagflationary environment. I mean, you, you want to sell rallies at least, you know, in the, I would say in the foreseeable future for the next few months. So I, I just look at where we're, we're carving a long, a longer term top in a, in a range, you know, a range that could be from, let's just say roughly 3,500 in the S&P, 3,800 to 4,500, 4,600. I think those that's going to be like a long-term range we're dealing with for the next 12 months or maybe even longer. That's the way I feel about the market right now. I feel like range bound for sure. I, I don't see any one side really having control because of the things that we've all talked about, how the macro shifts are. I mean, just like we said, crude oil is a 5% move uh, or headline uh, could move at 5% in any direction. I think it's the same thing for equities. I really do. I feel like it's that fragile. I feel like there's so many weak hands out there. The way I see that this market trades, like you look at today where they're just burying it. You know, I mean, I, I feel like it could easily be up 300 in the NASDAQ tomorrow for any sort of, you know, headline. And, and you look at it and say, what's really changed? Not well, much. Well, a lot of liquidity is out of the markets and the in, in, indices, right? I mean, it's the volume is kind of. Explain why you think that is. Low. What? I it's mean, anemic. all you have to do is, yeah, exactly. You just have to look at the volume. I mean, it's just, there's, you know, I don't. People aren't trading. Yeah, but why do you why do you think that that is? Is it just because people are I just? I think that on? the market's too volatile, and I think they've raised margins on everything. Um, and you know, I you know, I think that it, I'm sure a lot of people in some of these moves have gotten wiped. <laughs> Can I? And, and and I want to say, as far as you know, volumes being down. I mean, we're we're seeing it's massive rotation, right? One of the things that's actually supported North American equities, I believe over the last couple of months. And you can see why the volumes have, 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 have paired back, especially on this rally that we saw over the last you know month and a half or two months. You had a, a, a dramatic shift from European equities into North American equities because asset managers need to put their money somewhere. It's not like we're seeing money flee the markets and seeing a massive rally in the dollar. And you know, if the dollar index was trading at like you know, 110 right now, I might have a different tune. Or if you know gold was ripping to you know new 52-week or new all-time highs and more, or and, and maybe even you see a flight to safety in like Bitcoin. If we saw things like that, I would be like, okay, you know, volume's going to pick up to the downside. We're going to see a you know sell-off in equities across the board. But really, it's been more of a rotation, right? I'm selling the DAX to buy S&P. I'm selling Nasdaq, and I'm going to buy some of the bigger name stocks that uh that have actual revenues and they're not gross stocks but they have you know they they they, they you know have earnings and and uh you know pay dividends or whatever so i i think you're still just you're we're still in a rotation market and that's why volumes aren't huge because there's not a lot of new money coming in it's just money going from one hand to another or one market to another 
I don't know if that made sense to you guys. No, absolutely. No, yeah, I mean, you, you look at it like this. I mean, even for me as a shorter term little, you know, little, little guy out there in a big sea of traders, it's like every time I get a big position on, you know, whether the NASDAQ or crude or really anything, it's like, I'm, I am so quick to get out uh, when it starts running against me because it's just running. I mean, there's, it's yeah. like, I have to, ve I have to really spread my orders out now because when I'm getting in or if I want to get into a bigger position, it's not like, oh, I just, anything I click in to a full position right away, most of the time they're shaking me out. I have to really break that position down and be so patient and really grow into a bigger position. Otherwise the volatility just gets me out. I have a weak hand, you know, even, even if I, it's within my risk, it's moving so much. I'm always trimming because I'm like, it's just, it's so much to deal with, you know? And, and so if I'm doing that as a, as a little guy, you think about these, these much bigger, obviously monster people out there trading these markets. And they're thinking the same way, man, they, they, it, it, you have to be a scaler here. You can't be in a hurry. Uh, and if you do get in a hurry at any of these edges, oof, they make you, they make you pay quick. <laughs> truth you know we're going to go to the charts here in just a second we're going to take a 15 second break and when we come back blake is going to go to the charts and show us what he's trading back in 15. As I mentioned in the beginning, everybody, this podcast is sponsored by TradeStation, and TradeStation is running a promo just for our audience. You can see a link that I put into the comments section. It is pinned at the top. And new users will get 50% off brokerage fees for the lifetime of their account using the promo code F-U-T-R-A-F-Z-T as long as they open an account by April 30th. Go to TradeStation.com slash Anthony to learn more. Like I said, it'll be in the description page. If you're listening to this on audio, you can go there and find it uh, as well. And, you know, one thing before we get to the charts here, I want to tell everybody that's listening to this, um, I'm actually going to put something in chat as well right now, is you have myself, Tracy, Blake, Danielle DiMartino, Booth, Jim Rick, uh, Rickards, Peter Schiff, Mark Minervini, and many others at this Trader Summit coming up on April 8th to the 10th. Uh, it is free. Um, spacing is limited. It's coming up. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. Blake is there from beginning to end. Shy and I will both be speaking. Um, I put the link in there. You could see that in the drop down in the comments section. And I want to thank Blake and his team and for putting this together. I think it's one of the best, Definitely. if not the best, <laughs> um, uh, a summit out there when it comes to traders. So I highly recommend everybody goes and signs up and see all of us there. Blake, just real quick before we go to the charts, just give everybody that quick overview of what it is. Well, you know, the Trader Summit, I, I love these type of events because you, you you actually get somebody for, you know, 45 minutes and you get to really not get sound bits from them. You get to actually get their entire thought process and, you know, talking to people in every facet of the market. If, you know, if you're a crypto person, there's, you know, Mark Yusko, who's a partner with Pompliano, who, you know, manages crypto funds to asset managers, to portfolio managers, to if you trade equities or currencies or commodities, you got Tracy, you know, you got, and, and, and some of the biggest, you know, Fed people uh, names out there, you, you know, whether it's Daniel DiMartino Booth or, you know, people that really watch the Fed or, or gold traders like Peter Schiff, you just got, 
you got so many people and you get 45 minutes at a time and um you know it's 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 great they, they take q a and um you know i think it's a very special event we try to do it once a year and and bring out you know some of the best speakers and people like yourself that really talk to the traders out there the people that are like you know Anthony, I mean, you, you talk to the, the those of us that are actually in the thick of it every single day, and that's, that's what traders want to hear, and they want to they want to you know get people's opinions regarding that. So it's going to be a great event. It's this weekend. Make sure you do register. Though we've had people not be able to get in the live event because of seating, so seating is limited. And if you for some reason can't be there, just register because you'll also get the recording afterwards of uh, each of these speaking engagements. So it's, it's going to be great. Yeah, I can't wait for it. Real quick, Trace, what are you going to be talking about at the Trader Summit? So, um, obviously, in the commodities markets, right? <laughs> Big surprise there. So, um, energy and materials is basically what, what I'll be covering. <clears throat> got it. Okay, Blake, we've got the charts up here. We've talked a lot about crude oil and equities. Now, let's get into some of the things that you're trading. What are we looking at? All right, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually showing you guys about a 20 year chart of the Euro and you can see that bottom trend line, that red trend line across the bottom. That actually takes us to where we're currently at. If you, you know, you have the October of 2000, uh, some lows that were tested back in 2016, 2020, you know, post COVID. And then, um, you know, just where we're at right now, basically the 108 is massive, massive support. Everybody's got their eye on it and we're heading into ecb meeting next week now i'm glad i get to talk about this today because when the trader summit event this weekend uh, i'll be you know doing a lot of the asking the questions versus showing you analysis so i'm glad i get to do this today um but i'm establishing a long position in the euro and the reason why is as i mentioned to you before you as a trader we can just identify our risk and when i know there's a big event coming up like next week with the ecb meeting uh, and there could be a massive policy shift by the ECB. I want to try to prepare myself for that event and try to get myself in a profitable uh, position ahead of the event. So once the event happens, if it doesn't work out the way that I thought, well, I've got a manageable risk at that point. But also, if it works out the way that I do think it will, then you know I'm, I'm, I'm positioned with a really good price if it should go my direction. So. I'm establishing a long position because I think that the ECB is going to be forced to make a really big policy shift regarding um, what they're going to do with rates. If you've taken a look at German, you know, Spanish Eurozone CPI in general, it's 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 it is obviously gone crazy because of what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, oh, Netherlands is double digit. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, look, all of Europe is going to be suffering. And so. The ECB is going to be faced with the same questions that the Fed has been. Do you fight inflation or do you, you know, hamper growth? And I think at this point, they have to they have to take care of inflation, at least in the beginning stages. You know, once you start raising rates, then and if it starts to crimp growth, then you can you can you know slow down policy if, if you need to. You can pare back. But right now is where they I believe they need to act. So we're going to get indications of that, I think, going into next week. So if that's the case. The euro dollar, I have to say the euro has really held up very well, despite what's happened in Ukraine. Like this is the this is the invasion right here in, in, in February. Right. If you would have asked me and I didn't trade if I didn't trade currencies and I, and I wasn't looking. But if you would have asked me before the invasion, 
said, hey, Ukraine was going to be invaded by Russia. What do you think is going to happen to the euro? I'd say, well, you know, because of the pro close close proximity to Europe and, you know, the, the all the commodities that Ukraine produces for the eurozone, I think the euro would be trading at parity. Well, that all happened and we're nowhere near. As a matter of fact, we're holding up very well, despite interest rate expectations of the Fed being way higher than most people believe they'll be able to act on. And with the ECB rate expectations being basically non-existent. So a, a policy shift like that could really put the euro a lot higher than where we're currently at. And I think that before the ECB meeting, you might see some position squaring in the euro, maybe back up towards 110. We might be trading back up towards, you know, maybe around mid-range of this uh, this channel that you can see here. I think we're going to be about mid-range. And if there is a positive shift in the euro, then, you know, the euro or uh, hawkish shift is what I should have said. We could be trading at 112, maybe even 113 going into the next couple of weeks. Now, let's say I'm wrong and let's say the ECB is dovish and we walk away from next week after next week and we decide, man, there's no way the ECB is going to act. And maybe they won't even act going into 2024 because growth is so weak or whatever our, our argument is. Then the euro is going to break down from here and probably trade through 108 and maybe even head down towards parity in the coming months ahead. Now, I'm not opposed to being short the euro, and I don't like to cut and reverse, but in this case, because I know that we're at such a huge inflection point on a weekly basis, that I know if we get below 108 and we, we get a weekly close below there, we probably will be talking about you know 105, maybe parity uh, in the months ahead in the euro dollar. And so therefore, I know that if I get caught wrong-sided following the ECB next week, I have the opportunity to actually be on the short side of the euro and look for a much bigger, broader move lower in in the uh, in the weeks ahead. So that's uh, long story short, Anthony. That's how I'm positioning myself ahead of the ECB meeting next week, and um, I'm getting along. and And I know I can add. You know, we 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 talk about like the you know the infamous you know pressing the trade. I know we can add, and I know I can add to this trade. But, you know, once we get above 112, if I've got a position here at 110, we get to 112 and we really start rallying, then I can actually add to my position, have a cost average around 111 and then ride it out, you know, back to the 200 day moving average back towards 115. That, that's that's my plan. That's my trade. I'm sticking with it and I'm going to trade it. So now you guys know what I'm doing. <laughs> so Carl, something, Carl, I wanna, something I want to comment on that is and I think this is. This is one of those skills that you develop over the years as a trader uh, that goes beyond the strategy that you mentioned. I th and I'm wondering if how many people even kind of caught that is that when you think something should happen based off, off of a headline, right? Because we've been around, you said, you know, if you would have, if they would have asked you, you would have thought it would go into parity, but it didn't. A lot of times when I see things happen through a headline or something and the market doesn't do what I thought it could do, the potential of a macro headline or news or event. And it starts to hold. To me, that is where I, I have found some of my best trades going against what that was because there's a lot. If we thought that, other people thought that. And then you back that up with the technicals like you showed there. I think that's very interesting. I mean, this is the reason why you know I love Tracy's stuff so much because when I look at her macro side of things, when I think that something should do something and it can't, to me, that is almost more valuable information, as crazy as it may sound to some people, than than something doing what I think it really should have done. It's just my experience. I've seen that. I don't know what you guys think about that. Tracy, did you want to did you want to add there? 
So, no, I think that was well said. <laughs> well, you know, there's a there's an old saying, and, and Anthony, you you would you would you you know these sayings like it, when when the market stops going down on bad news, you got to be a buyer. Or, you know, and this is a, this has been around wait decades and decades longer than we've been even trading or alive. If a market stops going higher on good news, then you got to be really wary of the downside risk, and that that's the that's the case with the euro. Like the euro should have been going down a lot more aggressive based on the fed based on ukraine based on the slow growth in the eurozone based on you know, name a thousand other reasons why the euro should, because the euro is a failed project i don't care whatever <laughs> you, wanna, you know whatever argument you want to make the euro should it is be a more. failed project <laughs> but but it's not but that's the thing is it's not so if i was short and i try to put myself in the shoes of somebody going opposite the direction that i'm trading if I was short the euro right now, heading into the ECB meeting, I would probably be ready to strap on a set of depends. I was going to say, wearing diapers. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? So I don't like to be, I don't like to be short anything ahead of <laughs> ahead of the Fed <laughs> well, or ahead of any, any central bank. You never know and what they're going to say. You're right, and you know you don't know when you have a droggy moment. The I'll do whatever it takes right. to save the eurozone, and and then you're just like, holy cow, what? Where did that come from? But yeah, you're right. I, I, and but so let, let's let's talk about that for a second, Tracy. So again, the plan here is if I think the euro. And, and this is something that I, this is a tidbit of uh, information I like to pass on to all of my, you know, my traders that I work with all the time. I always think before a big event, the market goes mid-range. So whether it's a Fed event, whether it's a jobs report, if everybody's focused on jobs, CPI nowadays, you know, the market, at least in currencies, tend to go mid-range. So if I look at this, you know, euro dollar and I say, well, the range is from 108 to 112. Right. And so if, if, if I think this is the range, which you can see highlighted in this red channel. And so if I think we're coming back to mid range ahead of that news, which will be somewhere around here and that you know takes us into next week, then I think that we might bounce towards that area. Then I'm going to try to trade into the middle of that range between now and then. And so when the event happens, you know, let's say it's a, it's, it's the, it's the ECB. If it happens in my favor, then I'm positioned very well for it. And if it goes against me and it stops me out, then, you know, and I have a smaller position, then fine. I get, you know, I take a little bit of a loss and, you know, dust myself off. And, you know, in this case, I'd take the other side of the trade. I'd be looking to go short. But those are the kind of things that I, I try to do in the currency market um, personally. Trace, um, I want to stay with the currencies. Is there anything that you're looking at while well, we got Blake here with the charts up that maybe on the macro side of things, you know, maybe we'll take a look at and just see what he thinks about it. What in currencies? I mean, I yeah. think, um, I think, well, obviously, Noke is very interesting, obviously, because it's an oil currency. They do. They. I know that. I know that they're um, they're going to be selling a Noke throughout April to buy foreign currencies to uh, for their sovereign wealth fund. So I know they're going to be doing that. I was watching to see if there was going to be any weakness on that um, after that announcement, because it was, I don't know, I think it's like, it's over 200 billion, 200 million a day, something. Um, 
so I was looking at weakness, but I watch Noak a lot just because it's an oil currency and CAD has CAD you can too, but CAD has its own problems right now. It's kind of started to decouple. Did you guys know this? And I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this, Tracy. Did you know that the sovereign wealth fund, Norway Sovereign Wealth Fund, owns 1.5% of all stocks globally? That's insane. I did not oh, like of every stock globally. <laughs> That's right. crazy, right? Well, it's like over, it's like over a trillion dollars, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. and they own 1% of U.S. equities, all U.S. equities. That's insane. So that, what that tells me is they're very heavily weighted in, obviously, Apple and, you know, you know whatever else, U.S. equities. But the fact of the matter is if, if the equity, U.S. equity markets gets pulverized, that's, that's what, that's why we saw this big spike. It, you know, post-COVID uh, lockdowns, when the, the equity markets got upended, that's what created the spike higher in the dollar Norway in the Nook is uh, people sold the crown because uh, people were worried about their exposure in U.S. equities. Isn't that wild? That's crazy. Um, this, this, that this, is this wild. I had, I had never even heard that before. Yeah, it's wild. It is wild. We got about two more minutes before we go to some Q&A and we kind of close out here for today. Um, obviously, everybody, if you guys are listening to this in the live stream, put some of your questions there in chat. There's a few in there I'll get to. And, and uh, once we get you off the You can put chart, the ruble up. Oh, Everybody's yeah. talking about it. Man, it's strengthening still today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do you – I mean, obviously, I, I can't trade it. Um, you know, as a retail trader, I'm, I'm not trading uh, as institutionally like I used to. So, and, and they're usually the first ones to pull the plug. They usually let retail traders like me uh, and everybody, you know, everybody else like kill each other and trading the ruble, but they, they kind of pulled the plug there. But can you believe the ruble is strengthening the way it is? Now, Tracy, wouldn't that have more to do with what Russia is saying has that you have to pay for? Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of that has to do with you have to pay in rubles, obviously, because then what do you have to do? You have to go out and sell your currency to buy rubles, right? Which keeps their currency afloat and their, I mean, it's, you know, Putin may be delusional, but one thing he is not is dumb, um, you know, by forcing people to buy rubles for their commodities. And he's talking about it for all their commodities, not just oil. That's obviously going to strengthen the currency and keep their economy afloat amid all these sanctions. It's just, like, I don't, I don't even know what to do with that, the ruble. It's, That's uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I've never obviously I, I don't trade uh, currencies, but, <laughs> that, but I wanted you to bring it up because it said it was such a insane move. You know, one of the things I, I think that I, it really stands out to me when you're talking about currencies, but more importantly, like um, not just currencies, but uh, but but emerging market currencies. We have seen in, and this is like the first time I've really realized this over the last, uh, I would say 10 years, I've focused a lot more on uh, emerging market currencies. You've seen them outperform in this environment, and that has been pretty wild. Um, now, they're obviously getting pulverized today. I went long dollar max actually yesterday. Um, you know, so it was uh, it was it was a trade coming out of a, just a technical wedge. But we have seen an outperformance of these commodity currencies and emerging market currencies as of late. And, and I don't know. I, I'm not understanding why. Like, I understand there was a lot of outflows out of U.S. equities and into emerging market currencies. But is that 
supposed to equate to emerging market currencies, or I'm sorry, into emerging market markets, but I'm not sure if that equates quite well into currencies. So that's been more of my um, quagmire with trading them as of late, but technically they're all setting up for some reversals. So we'll, uh, we'll see if they, if they can play, play ball a little bit um, going into the next couple of weeks. They're, they're kind of things that I've been watching, but Tracy, do you have any opinions about some of these? Yeah, things? no, I mean, I don't know. All I know, I know, uh, you know, cause I get the Bama weekly flows that, yeah. you know, all basically all of March, we saw inflows into emerging markets. Um, so that was very interesting. It'll be interesting to see, see on Friday, what, what this week's flows were, but you know, um, maybe that has something to do with it. I'm just throwing that, just throwing, I'm just throwing a fact <laughs> out there. If it fits, yeah, it's is, great. If it doesn't. <laughs> this is a, like, this is a wild move. This is the Euro Mexican peso. And this is one of those that pre COVID. So before COVID hit and, and locked us down globally, I used to watch this one really carefully because the Euro Mexican peso was very closely associated with risk appetite, risk aversion. So when it would spike up, it's because we were seeing intense amounts of risk aversion. So, uh, you know, you can see when we went into the lockdown, the Euro Mexican peso, because it's such a carry trade where uh, asset managers will hold pesos over euros because euro is a funding currency where it doesn't yield much, but the, the emerging market currencies like the, you know, Banks of Coast rates were at, I don't know at the time maybe five or six percent. I mean that's a that's a that's a hell that's a that's a lot of juice that you can carry just by holding you know some pesos over euros. Well, that all reversed during the COVID lockdown, but we've seen it almost give the entire move back, which has been really wild to me. That's crazy. Yeah, it's been it's been one of those one of those dynamics where correlations have broken a lot in currency markets, which also. Um, leads me to believe that we're in for a much more prolonged period of volatility than, than we previously expected. I'm sorry, Anthony, I know you were, uh, you're, you're going to get some Q and A. So no, it's okay. You know what I was going to say while we're still on the charts, everyone's asked, we've had several questions about gold. I think just oh. hearing from the two of you about gold after talking about everything we did today, I think it just makes sense. So maybe pull up gold and yeah. Yeah. Hear what you guys think about that. Trace, yeah, Trace, Trace, yeah, Trace, start off with just like how you feel about what gold has done this I, year. You I, mean, know, I find I, this to be a difficult. You know, market. I mean, gold has been sideways for forever, right? I mean, gold's Ever. literally. Feels I mean, like I would it. literally count that sideways from. Well, I can't see what date it is, but that right there. I mean, that's yeah, for, for like two yeah. years, it's been sideways. So what? How I am playing that is that I'm playing the miners. I think that because um, the miners can rally even if gold doesn't rally crazy. What do you think about the chart of, uh, of it, Blake? I mean, what is it just showing you? Uh, well, first of all, I think it's bullish, but I think if you if you get caught chasing the chasing rallies, you're going to get hurt. So and because you can see this, this is a channel over the last, you know, what is this, 12, 13 years? We're obviously trending higher, but you want to be buying dips versus, you know, versus buying, you know, breakouts. And, and it's, it's it, even in this current W formation, it shows that we will, maybe that was, uh, that was the new high or that was the completion of the W, but, um, you know, W formation should take us if, if it measures correctly to 2150. The thing is, is it's, you know, we go back to looking at the macro perspective or what's driving it. 
we all had, everybody had the argument of why gold should be going higher pre-invasion of Russia, Ukraine, or Ukraine by Russia, but it didn't move until that event happened. So now that that's happened, I mean, do you, it still looks like it's bullish-ish kind of, but I, I just don't know how much juice it has in it, right? So. I mean, it's a market I've just stopped trading it because it's one of those things that just doesn't have the follow through. You know, um, yeah. it, it's just if you don't buy the dip and buy it well, and when it starts to go your way and take it, I think it's a very disciplined trade. And it's one of those things where I will get, I would say, emotional, um, where I'll get in and I'll be like, this thing is finally going now, and I'll hold them or I'll press them a little bit. And, uh, it just never got, does it. And then maybe, you know, who knows, maybe I'll miss it. And at this point, I don't even care because I have done so much back and forth with it. I'm just like, I'm, I've kind of just taken it off my charts, at least for now. And that could change, but it, the action will always dictate how I trade a market and how I go about trading that market and, and how I see how I react in it. And it's one of those markets where I've just had to step back, at least um, trying to hold positions intraday, different story. But um, just real quick, let's pull up the miners. That'll be the last chart we pull up because you've talked about it, Trace, uh, several times today. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on individual miners, not the ETF. Uh, you want to give me which ones? Yeah, pick so, one, Trace. Uh, I have uh, GFI. So I've been in, I've been in it for since, for since last year, I think. Well, it looks like it's flagging nicely, right? Yep. Yeah, I'd say that's why, cool why this one, Trace? Before we even go into it technically, why this one? Um, you know, when I was initially looking to get some exposure to to miners, I um, I, I like this company. It was again really inexpensive, <laughs> um, and uh, and it was technically set up really really nice at the time. I mean, I take you know I take my macro theme, and then I go and look for a companies that fit what I'm looking for. And then, and then from there, I look to see if they have the technical setups that I'm looking for. If they don't, then I move on to something else. So I'm also looking at technicals. It's just kind of the last thing that I do. Got it. I mean, I'm going to pull the charts away for now. And, you know, as we close out today, I think that's something that you said right there, I don't think is talked about enough. And I think it's extremely important. If you have a macro theme, you need to find the best product and then instrument to, to trade it. It's not just like if I'm bullish to stock market, do I just go and buy the S&P? Right. Um, you, you better find, maybe it is the NASDAQ, maybe it's the Russell, if we're talking about ind indices, you talk about what's oil, um, You know, what's the best way to go about it, maybe you use the micros. I, I don't think enough people really do that. I think so many people just go to the majors and and that may not be the best product. Right. Um, that may not be where the best result's going to come. So I, I just think that that's something that I've learned over my time that you know, go beyond that. If you if you have a macro theme that you really like, I mean, kind of talking about what today would be talked about with uranium. It was like, okay, you know, we, we're both in it in a sense, but we're in a different product. And, you know, one, uh, who knows which one's better for overall, but it might be better for one or the other uh, in, in, in your trading. Um, last thoughts I'll leave you guys both with to say today, you know, we've talked about trading this volatility, handling it. We talked about a lot of different markets. Just kind of close out in summary of, how you think you'll be going about trading over the next, you know, several months and what just what your mindset is about trading the markets. We'll start with you, Trace. Um, uh, I, I mean, I think markets will continue to be volatile over the next few months. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I don't see any reason uh, 
why they're not, especially if the Fed's going to start being, you know, again, drawing liquidity or taking liquidity out of the market QT. If we actually do see QT and we do start to see rate hikes, you know, I think that we're still, I think we're still in for a lot of volatility um, as far as oil is concerned. Although I am bullish longer term, you know, I don't think we're done seeing volatility there either um, because there's just a lot um, on the horizon right now. So that's how I'm kind of approaching the markets. Yeah. I'm just prepared for anything right right now. <laughs> well, I, you know, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking at um, focusing on dollar weakness. I know dollars, dollars, the index is near 100, but I think that we are going to see we're we're near, if not at already peak FOMC hawkishness, but we're not at peak. ECB, Bank of England, RBA, RBNZ, uh, and, and, you know, Bank of Canada. We're not at peak hawkishness for other central banks. And I think that divergence between expectations will keep the dollar capped around the 100 level, where you can start to look for opportunities of commodity currencies specifically. You'll have like the Aussie will be able to trade up towards the 80 cents, the Kiwi dollar well above 70 cents, probably closer to 72 cents. So I think you're going to see that outperformance of the commodity currencies um, still play out. Um, and hopefully, you know, if all works well going into next week, I think uh, the euro might trade back up towards 115 or so. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm really more focused on um, selling dollars at this point, focus, you know, more bullish on commodity currencies. But you know, hey, there, there are other currencies out there than just the Australian dollar or the Canadian dollar as well. So that's that's how I'm doing it. And for me, I'll end it with I'm just waiting to see what happens in crude oil. I'm on the sidelines right now. I tell myself I'm on the bench and, and I think that it's still the play. I think it's still the market of, of choice for me to buy um, on any sort of kind of crash. I think that Blake and I touched on it and we know how Trace feels about it, but the way that she's executing it. So I really, you know, people always say be patient. But I think it's always important to know what you're really patient for. And like for me, after what I did, you know, doing well in crude and then giving a lot of it back, I know that it's like I really just have to watch this market set up, watch everything within the action of it and see what comes from there. And I, I, I think, Blake, you talked about it a lot as well today. I think that the indices, because that's really a lot of what my focus is, I trade a lot of NASDAQ and S&P, that I think from what I see, I just think it's a two-way trade. I mean, I'm not going to be scared to sell a rally. I'm not going to be scared to buy any sort of uh, weakness. I think that the market is, it kind of took the punch on the way down. It took the punch on the way up. If you executed wrong on the edges, I think that's, we're kind of resolving that right now. Um, and I think that we're going to probably find some sort of middle base here and just wait and see how we react off the Fed meetings. And that's just yeah. my mindset, you know, as a trader. I think we have to put our trading caps on, even though I won't put a hat on uh, my hair. But I don't <laughs> don't mess with that hair. No, no, there's no way. I, I mean, I may not be able to get it off if I get it on there. Um, so, you know, for me, I think that's, you know, the mindset is different. It's, it's, you know, what's funny is that it's really shifted from the way I was at the beginning of the year. Beginning of the year, I was aggressively short equities. And then I kind of like, you know, got chopped up a little bit. Then I was super bullish oil and I'm only trading it long every single day. And now I've gotten away from that. And it's like, we, we, We've also touched on this today is that you're constantly learning, you're constantly adapting. This is, in your guys' words, you guys talked about this as a macro shifting environment. You have to stay nimble. You have to uh, just, you know, just stay sharp. And 
and you know just go with the flows man be water <laughs> be water be like water i love be it like water well thank you guys so much it was great to you know this is blake's first time on the pod and blake thank you so much for coming love. on i've been waiting to have you you know i really enjoy your stuff i'm looking forward to the trader summit everybody once again that link is in there you will see it in the description if you're listening to this on audio um and go there i hope you'll join blake uh trace and myself and and many others um trace before I let you go, tell everybody about the new gig and what you got going on. Congrats. Yeah, yeah. so I'm a partner and then I'm still um, energy and materials market strategist. Um, but I'm a partner at Intelligence Quarterly um, and that's intelligencequarterly.com and you can find my work there. Awesome. And Blake, what about you? Uh, tell everybody where they could go and just see more about what you're doing. Well, um, I'm, I'm uh, the founder, one of the co-founders and, and president of uh, Forex Analytics with an X. Uh, so that's where most people know where to find me. Um, I'm a, I also uh, host the uh, the Trader Summit, um, you know, interviews and stuff. So I get to meet with a lot of people, and you know, Trader Summits where you're going to be able to find us, the three of us, uh, this weekend. Yep. So, yes. and it's free. It's free to register. So make, it's tradersummit.net.net. And I know uh, Anthony put a link there. So I'll yeah. see you guys there. Yeah. yeah everybody. And all of you guys out there that are listening to this, thank you so much for joining in. I know we didn't get to all of your questions. Um, but once again, we did our best to get to all of them. We covered a ton today. Hopefully you got a lot out of it. I know I'm always learning from, from these two. Uh, they're good friends of mine. They're great people. And I appreciate you guys coming on so much. This will be recorded. It will remain here on YouTube and it will be on all of my audio channels, uh, following this. That's a wrap for this week, guys. I'll see you guys at the trader summit. Be there. Perfect. See you. Thanks for having Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. Never miss an episode. Go to anthonycrudelli.com and get on our email list for show notifications and for free content that is exclusively for subscribers. Also on anthonycrudelli.com, you will find tons of videos and education on trading futures, options, and crypto. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Opinions expressed are solely my own and my guests, and they do not express the views or opinions of my sponsors. Future's radio show is produced by Crudelli Productions. <laughs>